Well, good morning. I want to welcome you this Monday to uh, another session of Deep Dive as we uh, join together. Um, as you're joining us, and maybe if you're just tuning in right now or as you're, you're following along, maybe it's even later in the day, uh, we've been walking through a series in Revelation. And this morning, I want to talk to us about prayer um, as a uh, kind of a working out of our study from Revelation chapter 8. Um, just saw an incredible... Uh, incredible thing in this heavenly vision that John has received as he is uh, re reviewing and sharing with us uh, the dynamics that are unfolding uh, in the days of God's judgment as we see in Revelation. And as we looked at yesterday, there was this incredible pause, what he describes as a half an hour, um, where there was silence preceding the judgments to come, what we identify as the trumpet judgments. And before the judgments or the blasts of the trumpet, there was uh, this time of prayer that was brought before the Lord. And it's just an incredible reminder of the value and the importance of prayer in our life. And so I wanted to just take a few moments to think about that today and to encourage us because Prayer is something that uh, is important to all of us, and I just want us to think about that today. Uh, and to start us off, I had some uh, fun, fun jokes that uh, you know kids sometimes say the darndest things, don't they? Um, and so here's here's a couple things I want to share with you from some, from children's perspective on prayer. A little boy was overheard praying, "Lord, if you can't make me a better boy, don't worry about it. I'm having a real good time, like I am." Or a three-year-old boy once prayed, Our Father, who does art in heaven, Harold is his name. Amen. <laughs> uh, but there's a few quotes that I wanted to share that were recorded from some young children. A boy named Elliot said, I think about you sometimes, even when I'm not praying. Isn't that sweet? I'm sure that's true for a lot of us as well. I think about you sometimes, even when I'm not praying. Or a young girl named Joyce said, Thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. And then uh, a young boy named Raphael said, If you give me a genie lamp like Aladdin, I will give you anything except my money or my chess set. <laughs> Again, I think we can probably relate a little bit. I mean, how many times have we all been kind of in the same boat of, uh, God, I'll do anything. I'll do anything, but just not this. Well, sometimes children bring about the realities that we often think about. But I wanted to talk about prayer in, in, again, relationship to our study of Revelation chapter 8. And um, when I was thinking about prayer, even in relationship to the sermon yesterday, but especially with this morning, I thought to myself, when I was, uh, when, when our children were born, and I, I think about specifically our, our firstborn, Ainsley, I remember as a little baby, um, just looking in our eyes and just being fascinated by this this creature, this child that belonged to me. And I was I was her dad, and, and, and I remember the, the interaction that existed in those early days where as a young baby, you know, she, 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 her communication was basically screaming and crying, right? Some of you recall this, whether you're a parent or a grandparent, an uncle or an aunt, I mean, a lot of us know these days, and, and communication at that point was screaming and crying, and, and we thought we knew at times what that meant. And then as she got older and, and you know, Months later and approaching one year and all of a sudden those screams and cries turned into goo-goos and gagas and, and saying simple words like mama and dada and things like that. And then now here she is as a almost 10-year-old girl and, 
and we have robust conversations. I, I know my daughter. I, I hear her heart. I, I know her interests and her passions and her desires. And, and the point that I'm simply trying to make is that there is this natural progression as God's creatures, as his children, that happens when we enter into his presence. And sometimes the early stages of this relationship and the relationship we have to prayer can be sometimes as simple as just screaming. Uh, and then we progress and we develop into a stage of prayer where sometimes it becomes a little bit more formed and a little more well-rounded and the goos and the gahs and the moms and the dads start to come out and the communication, if you will, improves and it, it develops to a point where we enter into this meaningful relationship. And this is in so many ways what, what prayer ultimately is, that prayer is is essentially a relationship with God. And uh, it, it's a relationship that cultivates into something beautiful because just like us as parents and grandparents and family members who see the growth of the child, we, we love the development of that child because we hear more of that person's heart. And, and this is God's relationship to us that as Proverbs 15 verse 8 reads that the Lord cherishes our prayers because the prayer of the upright is his delight. So God delights to hear from us. He, he loves having that relationship with us. And so this is the essence of prayer. It is having a conversation with God. And, and we are in prayer literally talking to the creator of the universe, the lover of our souls, uh, the one who is sovereign, and as we've learned from Revelation, is holding the scroll. And this is an invitation that we have. It is prayer is an intimate loving conversation that we can have with God. And, and even better, and, and this is where I want to make a connection to Revelation chapter 8, if you've been with us, we've seen even in the, the heavenly picture of the, the throne room of God that this symbol, this imagery of prayer, known as an altar of incense, was placed right before the throne of God, as if to suggest that one of the closest things to the presence of God itself is our prayers, this thing that represents our prayers. So it makes sense that the Bible in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, tells us that we are to draw near to the throne of grace in confidence, so we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And not only are we able to approach the throne of grace with confidence, because again, remember, our Lord delights in our prayers. He, he loves this relationship that we have. So not only do we approach it in confidence, but even better, we are told that we are invited to call him Abba Father. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it reads, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. And what a beautiful promise, because sometimes, even as Christians, we live a life that is riddled with guilt and frustration, and, and we can sometimes beat ourselves up over this. But our God is a God of truth. He's not a God of deception and lies. And so what we need to remind ourselves is that the God of truth says that we have received a spirit, not of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption. You have been chosen and selected to be a part of his family, friends. And that includes, has demonstrated this love. He has grafted you into his family. And it says that, sorry, it looks like I was disrupted there. As sons and daughters, it says, we can cry out, Abba, Father. Isn't that just a wonderful thought? That, that language, Abba, is a term of endearment. And it basically means 
calling God the creator of the universe. You can call him Papa or Daddy. I mean, think about that. Now, sadly, I realize some people haven't had that kind of tender relationship with their dad or, or in some cases, their mom. And yet God says, whether you benefited from that earthly experience or not, God says, call me Daddy. Call me Papa. And, and understand that just the term itself indicates a, a kind of confident approach that we can have before, before the throne of grace. So, this morning I want to share with you quickly a few reasons why we ought to pray. And, and I want to do, I want to try to keep this brief. Number one, we ought to pray because we are commanded to pray. Um, so we can approach the throne room of grace with confidence. We can call God Daddy. And, and we, are, we are called to do this. Uh, in Ephesians 6, 18, we are told that we are to be praying always with all prayer and supplication. To be praying without ceasing. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, the same thing. Pray without ceasing. Uh, and this is the thing that we are we are commanded to. And and the beautiful thing about this command, let me just say quickly, is that it's not burdensome. You know, 1 John 5, 3 says that, and this is love, that if we keep God's commandments, um, we love him because they are not burdensome. And, and this is another example of where God is commanding us to do something, enter into relationship with him in prayer, but he doesn't want it to be burdensome because, again, you can come confidently, you are going to receive mercy, you can call me daddy, and just spend time with me. So in some ways, if we really think about it, this is an easy command to follow. Number two, we ought to pray because it's a sin not to pray. And I don't mean for that to sound heavy-handed or to add the layers of guilt that sometimes we already carry. I realize that for a lot of us, sometimes we just struggle with prayer. It just doesn't maybe come natural for us, or quite honestly, we sometimes would prefer to do something else. I understand that. But because it's a command, and it's one that's not burdensome, remember, we, we approach the throne confidently to receive grace and mercy. He is our daddy. He wants to be with us. Um, by not doing it, we are demonstrating a spirit of rebellion. And in that rebellion or disobedience, there is, there is sin. An example quickly is in 1 Samuel chapter 12. Uh, the Israelites demanded a king. And their demand for a king resulted in a sin in which they approached Samuel asking for help, that they would find forgiveness since they had added sin upon their life. And Samuel, in 1 Samuel chapter 12, reminds them that God, his nature and character is one of promise. He has established a covenant with you. You need not fear. But that being said, Samuel said this in 1 Samuel 12 verse 20. Three, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. You see, Samuel acknowledged his responsibility. And to not fulfill that responsibility, which in this case was prayer, would be an act of disobedience against God. So we pray because we are commanded. We pray because we don't. It would be an act of disobedience from the Lord. But think about this. We pray in relationship to the disobedience. We pray because prayer gives glory to God. And the ultimate point here is that if we don't pray, it's not just an act of disobedience and sin, but by not praying, we fail to enter into an opportunity by which we can see the greatness of God displayed and revealed into our life. I firmly believe that God is sovereign and that he is 
he is powerful and he is acting and moving in this world. And as we saw yesterday in Revelation chapter 8, God has a scroll that is written. It is his, it is his determined plans. And yet these determined plans from a sovereign king are working in unison with the prayers of the saints. And there's this beautiful dance that is going on. But friends, if we fail to pray and we don't enter into a space where we appreciate who God is and what he is doing, when God then acts and reveals himself in powerful ways, we miss out on the privilege of participating in those very things. Prayer reveals the glory of God because in prayer, we come to find the heart of God by entering into his presence. And it leads us and compels us to want to pray for the things of God. Remember, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so praying allows us to see who God is, the work of God and what he wants to accomplish. We get to enter into that and celebrate his work being revealed. Fourth, we ought to pray because prayer aligns us with God's purposes. And the main thing I want us to think about here is that when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, think about the ordering he gave to us. He taught his disciples by praying, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, blessed, your name be honored, your name be revered and recognized. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it was from a heavenly point of view that God then said, and as a result, here is how you pray for your daily bread, how you pray for fighting against temptation and evil. As if to suggest the order of priority was vertical and heavenly, and as a result of those things, it influenced properly the horizontal or the earthly. And many times in life, I believe, as Christians, with all sincerity, we pray, but we oftentimes start horizontally or earthly. And tragically, we allow those situations and circumstances to influence and affect the vertical and the heavenly. In other words, if things aren't working out the way we would like here on earth, we then kind of take a sort of, well, then fine, I'm not going to spend time with you, God, because clearly you don't care about me or like me, right? And so we allow the earthly to influence the heavenly. And yet Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and then all of these things will be added unto you. You see, what Jesus is basically trying to teach us in prayer is that with your eyes fixed on me, you realize you have everything you need. God has given us Christ. And what more could we possibly want? And yet as a good and loving daddy that we can confidently approach, he still says, give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not in temptation. He cares about the things of this earth as well. And finally, we have to pray because prayer results in answers. Now, I realize that sometimes it doesn't feel like all of our answers are met. But God says yes to glorify his name. God says yes when our prayers are conformed to his will. God says yes when we delight ourselves in the Lord. God says yes when our prayers seek him first and not ourselves. And so we ought to pray because it results in wonderful answers. But more than anything else, we ought to pray because it allows us to spend time with God who loves us and has given us everything in order that we can be with him. Friends, I want to thank you for joining us. I, I pray that you yourselves are encouraged in this day and in the week to come to think about the value of prayer. And friends, even if it's just for a few moments, um, think about that when you say, Dear Jesus, and you enter into time with God, 
And you follow that up by saying amen as if to suggest an agreement, an agreement to everything I just said. Think about the, the, the symbolism of the prayers. They are presented before the throne room of God. It is your prayer. It is the closest thing that approaches God. He lovingly cares for us and cares what our hearts are and what our minds are and, and how we, we enter into a relationship with him. So uh, be encouraged this day, Lord, friends, and uh, I'll be praying for you. God bless.